We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 183. It's the ALDS Game 2 non-challenge recap episode, Scott. This was a heartbreaking, gut-wrenching game. And for everybody out there who is just saying, oh, the Yankees are just, we're just happy to be there. This team overachieved. If you didn't sit there last night and have your guts ripped out, you're not a real fan. No. You have five runs against, you actually get to Corey Kluber. And knock him out of the game. You're up five runs. You got to win that game. I mean, at that point, if anybody's saying I'm happy to be here, you're a lunatic. You're 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 absolutely not emotionally connected. Because at that point, the game is yours, and you're walking out of Cleveland, beating Corey Kluber, one-one, feeling great. You and have not so much. If the Yankees had won this game, and Girardi didn't absolutely take a steaming shit all over the field in Cleveland the Yankees would have had all of the momentum going back to Yankee Stadium, and that place would have been on absolute fire on Sunday night. Instead, it's going to be a morgue. No, it'll still be on fire. I still believe that it'll be a, uh, a, a big-time atmosphere. That, does, that, that has nothing to do with, what, with the price of wheat at this point. The fact of the matter is, is that when, when you go that deep into a game and you have that big of a lead and you beat a guy like Corey Kluber... I just don't understand. We were talking about how... The reason you brought that up, right? Because people on WFAN, when they call in... First of all, lunatic callers on WFAN all over the place. It was a lot of them on Friday. I was listening for, to Francesca they come out of the woodwork. three hours on Friday. They come out of the woodwork. Ten, of, ten callers a woodwork. I'm just... This is such a great season, Mike. It's been so lovely watching all these kids develop. I'm just happy to be here. Cleveland's better than them. It should be one-to-one right now, and instead they're in an 0-2 hole because their manager sucks. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's bad things. Um, they should have won the game. There's no doubt about it. They should have won the game. You have five run. You listen to what Greg, was, Greg Bird was talking about in the post game. He's like, we feel comfortable. That's a game you got to win. But <laughs> he even said, I, we, feel, we, we felt comfortable with that. You should feel comfortable with that. It's a five run lead. You have the best bullpen in freaking baseball. You should feel comfortable with that. That should be a win every day. The Yankees did everything right at the start of that game against Corey Kluber. Everything you and I discussed about what they needed to do. Lay off the breaking ball in the dirt. Yes. Work the count on Corey Kluber. Make him throw pitches. He's been off for a week, so maybe he'll be rusty. Get to him early. 
Everything was going to plan. Sanchez with the two-run homer in the, in the first inning. And then Castro gets a huge two-out RBI in the third inning when it looked like Corey Kluber might be settling in. Castro didn't let him settle in. Gets a two-out two RBI. And then Hicks with the massive three-run homer stuns the crowd in Cleveland. The Yankees have all of the momentum. And then it just absolutely spiraled out of control. It's like, the, I don't know what happened in Girardi's mind, but he absolutely puked all over himself. In the sixth inning. It was a nightmare scenario. Well, you, you have a start with Corey Kluber and you get those those runs and the dagger, the Hicks home run was freaking a man shot. And Corey Kluber, you could tell, like we were saying, you got to work the count and if he makes a mistake, you got to take advantage of it. You cannot miss. They didn't. They didn't miss. They took advantage of a lot of the bad pitches because he was definitely leaking over the middle of the plate. Unlike Corey Kluber, the fastball was was definitely uh, over the, the heart of the plate quite a bit. And when you see that, and you, you have to take advantage of it, and these guys did, they put themselves in a position to win. The players on the field put them in a position to win. <laughs> and then Girardi sits on his hands. It's a devastating I, I don't know loss. what else. He just sits on his hands. He does nothing. So the thing with this game is there's so much to unpack here. So much happened in this game. Eight million things happened in this game. But really, the only thing that matters is that, that he did not challenge the hit batter on, on Chisholm. That is all anybody will be talking about because that was absolutely the turning point in the game. After the sixth inning, none of that happens if he challenges that play. It, hit, it clearly hit the knob of the bat. That strike three, end of inning, eight to three lead for the Yankees going into the seventh inning. Okay, so I, I know we're going to talk about a ton of different things that happened in this game, a ton of mistakes the Yankees made, but really all it comes down to is that Joe Girardi fucked up and did not challenge that play. I don't understand. This This has happened throughout the season, too, where they're, the replay team or whoever the, the, the team is that's actually te- looking at these videotapes and getting back to him, one, he takes way too much... Uh, he takes that information in like like it's like it's life or death, and it's only that information. Like he doesn't have two eyes. Like Gary Sanchez isn't standing and squatting right there after he heard something. He said, "I heard something. I heard something." He, he immediately yelled, "Foul! Foul!" And Girardi does nothing at that point. You challenge the play. It doesn't matter if there's inconclusive things. If if somebody in the video booth can't see anything, he kept saying that they could didn't have information that says that it didn't hit him. That's what he kept saying. It, it, we didn't have information that it didn't hit him. Well, guess where the information is that it didn't that it didn't hit him and that it did hit the bat from your catcher who's standing on top of the freaking play and from That's the guy. Chisenhall, yeah, he didn't react. Chisenhall did not react. If you, Chad Green's thrown 97 miles an hour. If you get hit with a 97-mile-an-hour fastball in the wrist or hand, you're going to be in pain. He didn't even react. Okay, that tells it all right there. So I don't, the, the home plate umpire made a bad call to begin with. But then Sanchez, like you said, yelling at Girardi, saying it hit the bat. Girardi needs to look at Chisenhall and say, that guy's not hurt. He didn't get hit. He didn't even fake that he got hit. So you no. have to challenge the play. And there's sometimes where you have to rely on the guy upstairs in your booth who's looking at it on things like fair or foul or if it went over the wall or not or maybe a play at second base or third base when it's farther away from you. But when it's right at home plate and your catcher is standing there yelling, saying it hit the bat, I don't care. You have two challenges in the playoffs. You had nothing to lose by challenging that play and everything to gain. And he didn't do it. He sat on his hands. Yet he challenges a play where the freaking ball goes through to a cameraman and a cameraman touches it. Well, at that point, he knew like he, he wasn't going to not challenge another play. But I'm saying I mean, at that it, point, it, he knew he was in the wrong. And, it looks and, really dumb when you do something like that where there's a giant gaping hole that the ball is about to go through and the cameraman just reached out and grabbed it so he could throw it back in. And, and the, the excuse after the game... It made Terrible. It that much it's, worse. It's, it's just, yeah, he doesn't own anything. He just comes up and just says complete nonsense about uh, getting Chad Green out of his rhythm. I don't do it. And then talking about the 30 second rule. Well, it's 30 seconds. It was 30 seconds had gone by, and they like to hear that we're going to challenge within 30 seconds. Nobody said you can't challenge anymore. The umpire didn't come over and said, Joe, the cha- you can't do it. He could have absolutely, even after the 30 seconds, come out and said, challenge it. No matter what, challenge it. If it's that close, it's such a pivotal point in the game. Challenge it anyway. It's a huge spot in the game. It would have uh, been an out and out of the inning. Yeah, it's a, it's a five-run lead. You're taking into the seventh inning with it's all the, of the Cleveland fans sitting on their hands because they're devastated that their ace just got pounded. And you're going to go back to Yankee Stadium with all of the momentum. That is what was on the line. 
And and I'm I'm sure Girardi was thinking, I've got Chad Green on the mound. He's been one of my best pitchers all season. He's going to get out of this. But I don't care. It's the playoffs. You can't take any risks. You know, I think when you're looking at the situation too and you realize that uh, the foul tip, foul tip caught straight three inning over, that it makes it a very different scenario than even if it was just a, um, a not hit by pitch and it was a dead ball or something like that. Good point. Because at that point, you're getting out of the inning. You're absolutely done. The inning is over. There's no more questioning it. So why would you not take that chance? It's not a very big risk. All you don't you know what's going to happen at the rest of the game. You can't sit on that challenge and say, I'm going to use it later in a, in a bigger situation. You can't determine that. At the moment when you're in a play and it's this massive and you're seeing what's happening with the momentum, you're seeing that there's a lot of runners on base in a pivotal spot, you close the inning. A, a thousand percent. That's a great point. Um, everything to gain and nothing to lose in that situation. And if he had just... No. I mean, he's still... I think this is a fireable offense. I really do think this. And the parallels between 2007 when Joe Torre didn't pull his f- uh, team off the field in game two of the ALDS in Cleveland in the bug game and this with the non-challenge are astounding because I really... That got Joe Torre not re-signed. I really think this could get Joe Girardi not re-signed. And the excuse, the arrogance, the freaking pompous nature of Joe Girardi to sit there and lie through his fucking teeth to the media after the game and and not just own up and say yes I should have challenged it I made a mistake is it are you really that like what does he have to lose then just admit it be a man and freaking admit it yeah it's it's I've never been so mad at Joe Girardi the excuses that he said, the, the rhythm, the, the 30 seconds, they're all just bullshit. It's all a bunch of bullshit. The rhythm is broken from a, uh, a pitcher at that point anyway. It doesn't matter. There was things that happened. Do you, think that, do, you think the, do you think Chad Green is worried about the rhythm at that point when he can get out of an inning? No. <laughs> no. It's no. insane. It's insane. It's, 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 I'm, I'm at a loss of words because it is such a devastating loss. I know that the Yankees are overmatched with Cleveland. Cleveland is maybe the best team in baseball. They're probably the favorites to win the World Series. That does not matter. All that matters is that the Yankees were staring down a 1-1 series going back home. And now they're in an 0-2 hole. See, the it's, problem, but the, but the problem with what you're saying is you're saying they're overmatched. We're, we're looking at what them on paper. We're seeing the, the 22 game win streak. We're seeing all these things and overmatched. I'm looking at my eye, I'm, I'm using my eyes to watch this team. And on, on Monday, Trevor Bauer came out and whooped their ass. There's no doubt about it. He came out and not Monday, whatever, the first game came out and whooped their ass. The dude pitched phenomenally. Tip your hat. Good job. But what they did is they came back and they made all the right adjustments. Like a te- like a veteran team, like a team who's been there before, made all the right adjustments and got to Corey Kluber, probably the best pitcher in major leagues, definitely the AL, probably the Cy Young winner. And they they made those those adjustments to come out there and came out hot. So I'm, I'm, you're, you're saying overmatched, but I'm looking at this team. We know the talent's there. I don't think we have less talent than the, the Cleveland Indians. Are they a more cohesive unit because of what they've done and the, the, the players that they, they've been there before in the postseason? Maybe, but, but guess what? This team, the New York Yankees, they're learning pretty damn quickly. They're, they're a team on the rise that gets things pretty fast. And I don't see a team overmatched right now. I don't. I just see a team that got caught with their pants down, basically, uh, Chad Green made a bad pitch, and Cleveland took the momentum and took advantage of it. No doubt about it. They struck when the opportunity was there, and the Yankees didn't. Yeah, let's also talk about Chad Green, because he was bad for the first time in a long, long time, potentially bad for the first time all season. He couldn't get guys out. He could not put uh, both uh, Gomes and Chisholm Hall away with two strikes. So that's his. That's also on on Chad Green. At the end of the day, people on the field are making mistakes as well. I mean, granted, we know that Joe Girardi didn't challenge that ball. At the same time, Francisco Lindor hit a uh, a Chad Green, looked like a breaking ball down in the zone, didn't get down enough, and he just took it out. Oh, so yeah, Chad it was Green, bad, that was a bad pitch. Chad Green was not sharp. There's no doubt he was not sharp. Whether that's a um, you know a byproduct of what happened from the wild card game, I don't know. Very well could be. Who knows? But at the same time, he wasn't sharp, and the players on the field at the end when you have a five run lead like that. You got to close the game out, no matter what. I mean, that that's on the players as well. There, there's there's a lot of responsibility on the players, totally. But when you have a guy at the helm making the the, the decisions that are that are basically swinging momentum, 
Uh, I mean, Joe Girardi didn't hit that grand slam. Francisco Lindor did. Joe Girardi didn't throw that pitch. Chad Green did. But he put them in that position. Does this lose? Does Girardi lose his job for this? Um, I don't think so. I, I think I think that Girardi. I think they had already decided that Girardi's going to stay. <laughs> well, but you know, maybe but, this throws a wrench. I mean, honestly, if it was if it was the big man, yeah, he's gone. <laughs> he's not know, even I, going back to New York. He, I don't know. Pena if, is managing Game Three if Steinbrenner was still alive. Right, right. But uh, but the the kid Steinbrenners they don't have that. <laughs> that impulse reaction usually it seems like they they think about things a little bit more and and, and take a, a broader broader stance on um on, on different situations so i still think he was coming back no matter what but yeah i mean you could look at it and you could absolutely circle this and say you know you don't have the pulse of of what's going on in the at that point i this is what this is such a problem to me like when you're when you're bringing in all these like metrics and you're taking te- technology and the replay and you're waiting on other people you lose the feel for the game you lose the what's happening right in front of you. Whereas, you know, a, a lot of times you, you see something and you react, right? But now he's like, oh, well, maybe I got it. He overthinks it. And the technology, it's like it's like a kid with ADD. You put too many damn things around him and he can't focus on one thing. And that's what's happening with Girardi. Like he's got too many things to think about and he's failing to use the baseball intuition that's actually in his brain. And it drives me insane. He had such a good game on Tuesday night in the wild card game. He had the pulse of his team. He took yeah. Severino out in the first inning and brings in Chad Green. That move paid off. Then he leaves David Robertson out there for, for 52 pitches, and that move paid off because he felt the pulse of the team, and David Robertson was rolling. He made all of the right moves in the wild card game. And as good as that game was managed, game two of the division series was managed that poorly. And I think... Can't overstate the fact that this is Girardi's job was not in question. If they just went out there and got dominated by Corey Kluber in Game Two, like they got dominated in Game One by Trevor Bauer, you kind of say you 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 can tip your hat to the Cleveland Indians in that situation. And and if they get beat because Cleveland's better, fine. But like you said, this is a game the Yankees had won. They should have won it, and they didn't. And that is why it's a fireable offense because it's squarely on that pivotal play in the sixth inning that, that Girardi screwed up. And and that's that's why it is so gut-wrenching, and that's why now his job is in question. His job was not in question before Game 2. Now it is. I'm probably leaning towards what you're saying and that the Steinbrenners are not going to overreact and fire him. But if they did, I sure as shit would not be too upset about it because that's how pissed off I am about this this one thing. Well, I think that you and I have, have always been... <laughs> If Girardi were to ever get canned at any of these points, we're like, okay, you know, it's, I don't know, I've never had like But a, we're fair. We're fair to Girardi more than a lot of Yankee fans, I think. Because a lot of people kill him for absolutely everything. And I yeah. think we are pretty uh, fair with Girardi when he makes stupid moves and when he, when he, he makes good moves. Well, and, and you, the biggest difference when you're looking at what happened at the wild card game, and then you see what happened last night, and it's, it's the same thing. Like, he actually was using his gut. He saw with his own two eyes that Severino was struggling, and he didn't have it. And he said, you know what? Before this gets any worse, I'm pulling him right now because that's the right move. Because I'm watching what he's doing. I'm seeing the body language. That's the right move. When he, uh, when he left David Robertson in, uh, when he went to Chad Green, brought him back out for it, he even pulled Chad Green in that, in that wild card game when he looked like he was ready to come out. It was all the right moves because he was reading the players that he's seen all year long. He trusted those guys. At what point do you stop trusting your catcher that has been out there all the time? And by the way, I got to say this. Terry Sanchez did a very nice job blocking balls last night too. A very nice job because there were a lot of, uh, there were a lot of balls in the dirt that David Robertson and, and some of the other guys had to bury. And Gary Sanchez buried the ball. He did exactly what you do. You deaden it. I, 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 I I have to say that because I've been so critical of him. I think he did a very good job. Um, that being said, why are you not trusting your guy at that point? Why are you not trusting your guy that says, hey, I foul ball, foul ball. I think foul ball is what he said in the, in the post game. Um, so he's telling you. He's telling you that he says it. He heard something. He heard something. You don't hear the hand. You don't hear it hit the hand or, or graze the glove. Because that's what he was saying. The umpire was basically saying that it grazed the glove. Probably didn't feel it because it grazed. There's not a lot of room. Not a lot of slack in a batting glove. I'm sorry. Not a lot Just of room. Just look at Chisenhall. Just look at Chisenhall. He stood it in the batter's box because he didn't think he got hit. That says it all. The batter 
and the catcher will tell you everything you need to know about the situation. And we've seen guys, we've seen Derek Jeter fake get hit before. He acted the shit out of it. Chisholm Hall didn't do that. And Girardi was, like you said, that's a great point, like what you said earlier. He's more worried about what the what the replay official uh, on the Yankees is going to say than what Who the hell is this guy? Who is this replay official? Show yourself. Show yourself. It's just a robot. It's a robot. Yeah, I want to know. Does it actually exist or is it a robot? It it's, might be. It might be a robot. It's Siri. It's Siri on Girardi's iPhone. That's what the replay. That's what the, their replay guy is. But the other thing, uh, you and I were talking about this too about uh, before we started recording about um, CC, right? So this is the other thing when you're talking about the wild card game where Joe had the pulse of the team. He had the uh, you know the the guys under his wing that he's been managing all year long. He understood because he felt. The, the, the momentum of the game, the way that they were throwing, he could just tell that intuition, that manager's intuition that comes with seeing a guy pitch over and over and over and knowing their signs. And when you have a guy like CeCe Sabathia who got in trouble early, which has happened all year, we've seen him get in trouble a little bit early and then settle in. It's happened a lot. You see him settle in. He, I think he retired like what, twelve of thirteen or something like that. By the time Ele- he, eleven of twelve after 11 of 12. he gave up the Kipnis hit that that made it three to two Cleveland, and then Elire, uh, retired eleven of twelve batters. So there was an out before the walk in the sixth inning at that point, right? So you going out and you're you're pulling him. He's at eighty pitches. There hasn't been a lot of hard contact all day. A five-run lead, a guy that feels good, a gamer, a guy that's nine and zero. I said, I said uh, eight and zero uh, on yesterday's show. Sorry, nine and zero. When your back is to the wall after a Yankees loss, a uh, guy feeling good, all the momentum in the world on his side. He knows he games up for these uh, these uh, particular games in the playoffs. Ride your guy, feel that situation. So, big man, big man. How do you feel? Do you feel good? I feel great, Joe. Let's go. He's the guy you got to listen to your man at that point. Um, I I understand what you're saying, and that is a second guess on Girardi. But I I, I agreed with pulling Sabathia. Don't push it when you have arrested. Everybody in the bullpen was rested. All of the big guns were rested from Tuesday night. They didn't pitch for two days. Chad Green didn't pitch for two days. Robertson, Canley, and Chapman with a five run lead. Girardi was saying, "I got to get to those guys. Let's let's ice this game." So I don't. I understand what you're saying, and it was clearly the wrong move to pull CC. but at the time, I agreed with it. Shit, I was on the Bronx Pinstripes Twitter account in the third inning saying to start Chad Green in the third inning because I didn't think Sabathia had it. So You're right, Sabathia didn't give up hard contact, but he was wild. He hit... Yeah, uh, but that's what he is. We, we know that. That's his, that's his new pitching. He, right, but I didn't want gonna... to push the envelope. When he, was, when he walked two batters and hit a guy, and yes, I know the defense let him down. Todd Frazier made two errors, but Sabathia was also wild. And, but at, and the, at the same time, I didn't in the want sixth, to give Cleveland anything to work with. And in the sixth, well, in the sixth <laughs> inning, yeah, of course, <laughs> like, shit. In the sixth inning, you get a guy out, you walk a guy, and you're still you're still riding. You're, you're still only at eighty pitches. That's that's to me one of the keys. Like he wasn't working hard. The guy had plenty of bullets in him. It's to me, it's not at a point where you're like, okay, I'm pushing my limit. You're not even close to pushing your limit yet. That's that's the that's my thing. Like you read the situation, Joe. Look at your guy. He's he's not laboring. Walks are part of CC Sabathia's game now. You have to live with them because he is nibbling at corners. He's throwing a ton of breaking balls, and he's you know he's making guys uh, swing out of the zone. So walks are gonna happen. You got to have the faith at that point when you're when it's clear that he's not laboring or not struggling. But maybe that was just part of his game plan. If I don't see it, if I get it to a certain count, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this pitch. If he doesn't swing, I'm gonna walk him. I'll go after the next guy. That's part of his game now. Yeah, and the bottom of the lineup was coming up too. So the Gomes was coming up, and then well, they ended up pinch hitting Chisenhall. But I don't know what they would have done had Sabathia still been in there. But. Yeah, it was the bottom of the lineup. It's not like they had Ramirez and, and their big guns coming up. Like I, I said, I it's, it's a Monday morning quarterback. It's yeah. a fair second guess. Right. We are Monday morning quarterbacking that pulling of CC. It's a fair second guess, though. I I um I don't blame Girardi for doing what he did in that situation. He the everything that went wrong happened after Chad Green came in the game. I think when, uh, when, when you're watching the game live and a lot of people who are, are making instant reactions at that point, one, I think a lot of people are on board with you in the sense that like, hey, let's pull him early when he didn't have it. But at the same time, I feel like it, it, was, it was pretty split 
at that moment. When you're in the game and you're not Monday morning quarterbacking and you're looking at the situation, I'm looking at him like, look, CC's still there. I, this is my guy. You, you have him out there in freaking game two of the AL um, at the of the ALDS on the road. Like you're trusting him to go do that at, at that point. So like all of a sudden your trust is gone with 80 pitches. No, it's not trust gone. It's there is no he that's used, a, that's no, part so of it. He used his gut and his gut was wrong in that situation. Or did he? Or did he not use his gut? Did he say no? He's at he 70, didn't use his 77 gut. Seventy-seven pitch. He. That he, was no, a wrong listen, pulling, He didn't use his gut. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Because I listened to the post game and he described exactly the situation and what yeah, he, had. he said. He yeah. said. He said. We usually go with. This is what we've been doing all year. So what does that lead you to believe? Chapter four point three of the binder. In this particular case, when you get around ninety pitches for CC Sabathia, Chad Green comes in if he's available. And that's exactly what he did. He defaulted to what is just he's done all year. What has worked all read, year? Well, no, but he didn't read the situation. But it's but but Scott, that worked all year for Sabathia. The reason Sabathia had a successful season this year is because Girardi did not push him too far. He knew if it's the fifth or the sixth inning and Sabathia is in trouble, let's go to our bullpen. That's how Sabathia is going to be. He wasn't in trouble. That's my point. My point is he wasn't in trouble. It was the hook came too early because he was not in trouble. He was not laboring. The walks were were spread out. But again, like I've said, it's part of his game plan. He's admitted this. He's talked about this. Yeah, I'm going to walk more guys because I can't go out there and challenge people with a fastball anymore. It's just not my game anymore. So yes, you're going to get walks. It wasn't a, that, that's my point. He read the situation wrong in the sense that it was too early because CC wasn't ready to come out. All these other times, there are, there are times in the fifth inning and in the sixth inning where he's ready to come out and Joe goes to Chad Green. Totally get it. Not this time. He wasn't ready to come out. Well, then Sabathia, when Girardi walks out there, needs to really make it a point and say, I'm staying in this game. Sabathia is probably would have still been taken out, but Sabathia is at the point in his career, the point on this Yankees team where he can at least tell Girardi, I think you're making a mistake here. I still have it. Yeah, I, I, I think at that point it doesn't matter. And, and But that, also... But you don't, you, you don't want to... You don't want to show up your manager on the mound either I know. in a situation like that. And it's a, and and what Sabathia is especially it, as one of the leaders. And what Sabathia is thinking and what everyone at home was thinking, I know I was thinking this is that Chad Green's coming in. We got yeah. this. He's going to blow these guys away. At the end of the day the the move still should have worked, right? It still should have worked. Chad Green normally comes in and and does the job. I'm looking at this and just analyzing the move and I like CC in that situation. I like my my big vet guy who goes out there big game. Give Chad Green the the seventh, uh, maybe even the eighth, or you go seven, eight, and then you're set up seven, eight, nine with uh, Green, Robertson, Chapman, game over. But if you're still set up in that situation where if Chad Green gets the last two outs of the sixth inning, you you you've got Canely, Robertson, Chapman, or Green for the seventh inning, and then Robertson, Chapman, or Chapman for a two out save, which Chapman pitched two innings anyway. So. All right, let's, it let's didn't move work. on to it the doesn't rest matter. Of it doesn't matter. It didn't work. Yeah, we could right. we could talk about this all day. The fact that it didn't work and it should have. There's no doubt. I don't hold Girardi responsible for that move, in all honesty. When you're looking at it, it's not the move I would have made. I still don't think he had the pulse of it, but at the same time, it should have worked. Yeah. Let's move on to the rest of this game. And I know people are saying, I don't care about the rest of this game because all I care about is that Girardi screwed up the replay. But so much else happened in this game. First of all, the Yankees were sloppy. They were lucky to be up 8-3 to three because they were making mistakes against Cleveland. Todd Frazier made two errors. CC pitched around them for the most part. They left so many guys on base in the late in that game. The ninth, tenth, and eleventh inning did not score them. Torres get pinch running and getting picked off second base. Are you kidding me, Torres? You are on this team for one reason and one reason only in the playoffs, and that is to pinch run and then go in and play defense. And you screwed up. It's a bad move. It's it, we've been we've been praising Torres all year long because he's been phenomenal. At that particular moment, it was a bad job. A bad job. You cannot be getting that far off. To I mean, Gardner's one. Gardner's going to get that bunt down. He's trying to bunt to third base. There's not going to be anybody there to to um, even go for the out anyway. If he pushes the bunt down, you're good. I understand he was trying to get an aggressive lead just in case the the bunt was pushed to the pitcher. Situations happen at that point. You're trying to go to third. Fine. But at the same time, you cannot, you got to know damn well, 100% 
that you could get back. There's no doubt. Yeah, Gomez has one of the better arms in the league. You know he's going to throw down. He's done it before. I think he was throwing guys out at like a 38% clip. So him and Sanchez probably have the two best arms in the league. One, they're up there, if, if not the best. You know the guy's got a hose and he's got a quick trigger, so he's going to throw. You can't be that aggressive. That's um, that's a young... Torres is still young. We forget that Torres is like 24 years old. That's a young, inexperienced player uh, showing through. Because when you are pinch running in the playoffs, you need to be smart on the bases. And, and he was stupid in that situation. And it cost them. And who knows what the Yankees would have done. But they were staring down the barrel of Torres on third base with one out and Aaron Judge coming up. And instead... More momentum to the Cleveland side. The Yankees had 1% of momentum at that time, and then it was 0% after that. Because Josh Tomlin, Josh Tomlin and his 4.98 ERA comes in and gets him 1-2-3, 1-2-3. All the guy does is throw strikes. He doesn't have good stuff. How about you swing the bat? Aaron Hicks was looking at pitches like, what the hell are you doing against Josh Tomlin? Swing the damn bat. Yeah, there's a guy that named Josh Tomlin who comes in and shuts two shutout innings in extras is uh, is not something that you can expect. Yeah, you got to be when when you have a guy that has a higher ERA like that and is around the plate, you got to be aggressive. You got to go after him because obviously he pitches to contact, and a lot of times uh, the contact is successful contact by the offense. So go after him. Um, chat like I said earlier, Chapman pitched two good innings in this game. Would you have used Chapman in the eighth and ninth inning for a two-out save instead of extending Robertson again? Uh, yeah, hundred percent. I don't see. This is the thing that uh, again. This is another situation where where Girardi didn't feel what was happening in the game after what David Robertson did on Tuesday night, pitching what fifty-two pitches, three innings. You, why are you trying to push him to another? I mean, this would have, that was his third inning pitching, right? He got he well, got out of the sixth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're sitting twice. That's to me the biggest thing. That's you're the sitting thing. twice. It wasn't the amount of pitches no. or the outs he got. It was again sitting twice. He sat after the sixth inning and after yes. the seventh inning. So you got to. You, he's coming back in again. You're go. You're going and extending him far beyond. Like, look, the guy gamed up on Tuesday night. That's not what you need to. He's not that guy to do it every single time. That's that's not a. Uh, that's not what he is. He can do it. Obviously, he showed that. But you don't over. You don't overuse that. You don't say, "Oh, this guy did it on Tuesday night. He could do it again now." Two days later, three days later. No, that's not what he is. He's been a freaking setup one inning guy closer his entire career. Why? Why do you think that all of a sudden, it, twice in one week, he, he can pitch in three innings back to back outings? It's just. To me, it's not the right move. You see Chapman that's blowing people away, one-run game. Bring your closer in. Get six outs. He can do it. The guy has been freaking lights out over the past month. Bring your closer in. It was a bad move. And you know what? David Robertson, to his credit, was pitching pretty damn well. He had that freaking curveball looking filthy. He was making people look stupid. And Jay Bruce, freaking Jay Bruce, hit a fastball. uh, What was that? Up and away fastball. And he just... Put a good swing on it. Put it away. He went with the pitch. It was a, it was a freaking good hit too. Yeah, Jay Bruce was leading off the inning, so that's even more of a um, a reason. So Robertson, like like we said, he, you're you're pushing your luck with Robertson as you keep throwing out him out there for these multiple innings. Um, I wouldn't have done this, but another option would have been to bring in Jaime Garcia or or somebody to face just Jay Bruce as the lefty. Jaime Garcia actually had a good at-bat in game one against Jay Bruce. He got him to fly out to center field. Um, but I would have probably just gone to Chapman, lefty on lefty with Jay Bruce, let Chapman get his two-out save. At that particular at that particular situation, when you have an out or when you have a, a one-run lead in the eighth inning, after what happened, after the debacle, the the grand slam. Don't you have to put your best foot forward at that point and make damn sure that you put your best guys in the best situations to succeed? Well, Robertson when, is one of their best guys. He just, I underst- didn't, put, he just didn't put him no. in, the, in the best spot to succeed. And that's what I'm talking about. There's an equation there. It's not just your best guy. It's your best guy in the best situation. And that's the, manager, that's the manager's job. The manager puts guys in situations. And if he puts them in a situation to, to, uh, to, to basically fail at that point, I mean... You're looking at, at you're you're running him out there for a third inning for the second consecutive outing. It's not something he does. Like that's not something he does. Bring your closer out. It's a one run game. Bring your closer out. 
but but you know Robertson. Robertson was probably in the dugout saying, "Yes, keep giving me the ball." I can. He didn't do listen this. to Cece. He didn't listen to Cece in the freaking fifth <laughs> with when he's eighty pitches deep when he's controlling every... the game. But he's going to say David Robertson. Who of course, every player out there is going to say, "I'm good." I understand that. But you're pushing. You know what his limitations are. You know what he's done all year. You know what he's done his entire career. Why are we going to try to stretch that twice in one week? Why? What's the point when you have a Chapman back there and you and if Tommy Canley's been pitching well? Why? Every he pushed every wrong button. Every yes, every, every single button. wrong button. I guess Jay Bruce who has proved that he can hit the ball out of the ballpark in big situations. Like- Girardi was cutting the wires on the bomb, trying to cut the red, green, or blue wire, and every time he just cut the wrong wire and it blew up in his face. Yeah. Unbelievable. And, and every, he was wearing a flak jacket, and nobody else was. <laughs> Everybody else got affected. <laughs> but yeah, we're, we're being hit with shrapnel over here. Yeah. Batances uh, comes in after Chapman and pitches well in the first, in the 11th and the 12th inning. He faced all lefties. I think that's important to say. He faced all lefties and got, got them out six in a row. Comes out for the 13th inning facing a righty in Austin Jackson and looks more wild. Walks Austin Jackson. And now, obviously, we know what happened. The Yankees lose the game on a, on a, on a hit down the left field line. Uh, Batances has not pitched three innings all year. But at that point in the game, your choices are between Batances or Warren, who pitched a lot on Monday, or Jordan Montgomery, who is a rookie coming into an extra inning game. I'm sure if Batances got through the 13th inning, then we would have seen Montgomery come out. Uh, but and that situation, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Batances might have come out for a fourth inning of the way Joe was going. Yeah, Jordy was like, "Hey, he was a he was a starter back in 2010 in Scranton." <laughs> yeah. So why zero not put zero him up control there? issues. I mean, you got through two innings with without control issues. Let's go out for a third one. Maybe maybe we can run into some control issues and really get him back on that on that schneid. I mean, come I on. Don't blame, this, I don't blame. I'm not blaming Batances because he. He got I'm not blaming Batances. Yeah, there's no doubt. Uh, again, put guys in situations where you can succeed. Honestly, I, I, I do think at that point when you're going um, extra innings, you have a guy like Jordan Montgomery who's not there to start games. Right? That, let's, let's think about that. He's not there to start games. He's actually there for situations exactly like this. To, you have an extra inning game and you so need you some... Started, you would have started him in the 13th. Yeah, absolutely. You, why are you trying to push guys that are, that are not... That are, Batances has been downright terrible. Over the past month, terrible. You get a good outing from him yesterday in a in a situation that was you know pretty low pressure, and then you bring it back in. He pitches two great innings. Why are you gonna roll the dice on a guy who's been very shaky? Who who then you know you know there's a walk around the corner at any second. And and and, and the other thing is, if there's a walk around the corner, there's a stolen, there's a base, stolen around the base around the corner. Yeah. Yep. So you got to consider that. You have to consider that. If you walk a guy with Patantis, runner in scoring position. You got to consider that. So yeah, at that point, I think Jordan Montgomery is a guy that you have to look at, no doubt. I don't care if he's a rookie; he's not a rookie anymore. He played a whole season. So you you would fire Girardi if you were, if you were the owner, you would fire Girardi because not only did he not challenge the play, he took CC out too soon. Then he left David Robertson out there too long. Then he left Dylan Batances out there too long. This is so many wrong moves. You would fire him. I'm not an impulsive guy in that sense, so I'm not looking at just one game. Granted, it's the highest leverage situation you could possibly have. You played the entire year for this game, and you beat Corey Kluber. Maybe it's, I would fire him. Maybe this, I would, maybe I would most, fire him. Scott, that, that we're, we're not, I am not overreacting. This is the worst loss in Joe Girardi's managerial tenure at, uh, of the Yankees. Absolute worst loss. Worst managed game, worst loss. You're you're probably right. It was a terrible, 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 terrible game for him. And there was uh, there were guys doing things that the guys shouldn't be doing, situations they shouldn't have been in, guys being taken out of situations they should be in. Every every single decision was the wrong decision. Playing Ellsbury, <laughs> wrong decision. Just a million wrong decisions. <laughs> game three Sunday night. Woo! I'm still good. You're not. I'm still no, good. No, I'm not good. I don't I'm know how good. you could be good after that. Because I'm just going, look, it's the old cliche. One game at a time. No. Play don't get my, my motto right now one, is don't get swept. One game at a time. Tanaka's going to come out, dominate. A little bit of momentum is going to come back. No problem. Take, the, take game three. If you win game three, you can win game four. And Okay? Now you go to game four with, with momentum at home. Stadium's rocking. You win that game. Right? You could do that. That's not that's not out of the question. They played phenomenal at home. Then you go against Corey Kluber back in Cleveland against a guy that you know you can hit. 
I, it's not the worst situation in the entire world. Could be worse. I don't know how much it could be worse, but it how could, be could worse. I don't know how sitting here Saturday morning how it could be any worse than last night. Because right now, what we're looking at for the next two games, you're looking at a, a home field advantage, which we know has uh, has impacted this team. We know we have it. The Yankees have a home field advantage. We've both acknowledged that. Tanaka pitches a lot better at home. Tanaka is that guy who can shut a team down. You get a good start from Tanaka. Then you got Severino, the guy that's been phenomenal all year long, had a little blip on the radar, wants to prove himself, coming back. Your ace is coming back on in game four. I like the odds. I like... Honestly, for the next two games, I like our chances in these next two games. You, you, win, you, you win with Tanaka. If Tanaka have a good start, if Tanaka has a good start, this team is not dead. 100% not dead. Tanaka so, has to have a good start. Tanaka has to have a good start uh, also because I want to see Severino get back out there. I would yeah. be very, very disappointed and very worried for Severino going forward if he does not get another chance to pitch in the playoffs because he's going to be sitting on that wild card game third of an inning start all year. And we still think he's our ace going forward. 2018 playoffs, we expect the Yankees to be there. We expect Luis Severino to be on the mound. So he's going to be sitting on that for a long time if he doesn't get a chance to go back out there and show that he's not um, a little bitch and can actually pitch in the playoffs. Unlike a lot... Damn, it's been a bad playoffs for um, for Aces. Right, the, everybody. Yeah, Kluber oh, sucked. Sale sucked. Severino mm-hmm. sucked. I mean, it's just all these Aces getting pounded. Yeah, it's it's been a it's been a bad look across baseball. There's a Granky got hit. They're all over. They, they these guys have gotten hit. But think about this. I'm going to get you back on the on the on the wagon here. You're down 0-2, right? That's ter- that's terrible. You, you lose the two away. Hold games. on, let me let me let me check. Let me check. Carry the one. Yep. Uh, yeah, yep, it's terrible. the worst case situation right now. Down 0-2. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Not the worst case situation because what's happening now? It, usually in a in a situation when you're down 0-2, you've thrown your two best pitchers, right? Done. Out the window. Gone. You're you're looking at your three and four starter. Maybe your one is coming back on short rest for the game four to salvage. Maybe that's happening. But what's happening now is that the Yankees are going on Sunday with Tanaka, the guy that's been phenomenal in the second half, you know can out go out there and dominate a team. You know that. We've seen it happen. He's done it a bunch of 15 strikeouts. Remember that. 15 good strikeouts. Home, good home splits, too. Good home splits. So this is a guy that you know damn well can go out there and pitch a very good game. Going against Carrasco, Carrasco is is good. There's no doubt about it, but he's much better at home, right? Much better at no, home. No, Carrasco's actually much, much better, better on the road. My much bad. better on the road. Don't worry about that. Forget about that. That doesn't mean shit in Yankee Stadium. So you got Tanaka on Sunday, right? You could absolutely win that game. There's no doubt about it. Then you have your ace in game four. Oh, so we didn't throw our best two pitchers in the first two games? No, we have our best two pitchers coming up at yeah, home. And I is, like that. That's the, You're looking at a, a best-case scenario down 0-2. That's what you got. And if you do get it to a game four, you've got Severino likely going up against Danny Salazar or maybe Trevor Bauer on short rest. Yeah. So I, I like I really do like our chances in these next two games. Honestly, I think this is again it's one, it's one game at a time, like you said, and it is one game at a time. But their backs were against the wall yesterday. The offense I'm talking about now, and they came out and delivered. Right? They the did. Offense the offense did, delivered. The offense did everything and more against Corey Kluber. Right? Like it, it, the game plan to a T against Corey Kluber. That was right. a phenomenal job by the offense to knock Corey Kluber. 38 pitches in the first inning. Gary Sanchez takes an outside slider and just barrels it up and takes it to center field. Doesn't try an overswing. Aaron mm-hmm. Judge is even laying off some sliders from, from Corey Kluber. It was, yeah, big it was walk, the prototypical, prototypical um, game plan against Corey Kluber. And they executed it. That's why mm-hmm. this is so painful. Because they did everything they needed to do. Eight to three ball game in the sixth inning when Corey Kluber started. Come on. Okay, moving on. Game. I'm game not. Three. No, dude. I tweeted out this morning that I'm not going to get over this loss until the Yankees win a World Series. Okay. Well, <laughs> if they <laughs> Jesus Christ, if they can win, I'm telling you, if they win tomorrow, it's a different series. If Tanaka could go out there and throw seven innings, which I could see happening, I could see Tanaka doing this. There's no doubt about it. Tanaka has it in him. He has the ability of, of anybody. He has the ability to shut down a roster like this, especially with the way the, uh, the pitches that he throws. If he gets that sinker down, if he gets that, the, the, um, the, the late action moving down like he did in Toronto, I'm telling you, this is a team that can pull the momentum right back. If you win two games in the Bronx, you can go back to Cleveland and then all the pressure is on Cleveland. All of it. Yeah, don't get swept. 
you know, you know, there's a, you know, there's a, a glimmer of hope. <laughs> uh, all right. So that's, um, that's going to do it for this episode. The, the painful podcast. Um, I don't feel any better. Do you feel any better, Scott? Now that we have, yes, I do. I, I feel, I feel amazing. I feel great I because feel, they're going to win these next worse. two games. They're going to win worse. these next two games. Tanaka's going to go out and dominate. Watch it. Mark my words. Tanaka's going to go out and dominate. They're going to put up a five spot early on Carrasco. I don't give a shit about his splits. The, they're going to go out there and they're going to, the offense is going to dominate. Yankee Stadium is going to be freaking on fire. They're going to win the game and then they're going to go out game four and Severino is going to be like, I'm sorry. I, I totally fucked up the first one. My bad. And then just dominate. And they're going to get to a game five. That's what's going to happen. That's exactly what's going to happen. All right, guys. Well, we will be doing another podcast. It'll be out on Monday morning after the the Sunday night game. Hopefully, Scott's right, and hopefully Tanaka dominates. Enjoy the game, and hopefully, let's be let's be loud in the Bronx. I said it's going to be a morgue. Don't don't prove me right. Prove me wrong, and, and make it loud in the Bronx. Get behind this team. We still love this team. Um, all right, that's all I got. Talk to you guys on Monday. Believe it or not, George. Isn't at home to leave a message at the beep. I must be out before I pick up the phone. Where could I be? <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm not home. Christ, honey gray, learn to throw some fucking strikes. Holy shit, can't be walking people. Like, this is the playoffs. The best team in the AL. Like, you can't be doing this. And also, both of you, stop predicting how far our pitchers are going to go. The last few times you have, they haven't made the pitching. Just stop predicting these things. Please, for the love of God. Please, just stop predicting anything. You're jinxing us. Come on. Yo, it's Michael in Nashville, guys. I'm really distraught after this game. Um, I'll tell you right now, if I see the Yankees, watch a fastball go down the middle of the plate again without a swing. I'm going to drive up to New York myself and slap the first Yankee player I see. I don't care if it's a current player like Judge, who missed seven of them as he saw them going down the plate, or if it's a former player like Matting, like the first Yankee player I see, I'm slapping him in the face. I can't handle it. They've got to stop laying off those pitches that are that are fastballs, and because they were getting nothing but curveballs all night long, they should have known that from the get-go and just sat on fastballs because they're only going to get one, maybe two per uh, per at bat. It was disgusting. Two-run homer off Kluber. Let's go, Greg from Florida. Says, Let's do this. We're going back to Yankee Stadium. One-one. Yep, so, game two, Yankees up 2-0, bottom of the first. CC just walked the guy, and we got Edwin up, but can we just pause? Like, I'm, I'm literally going to pause the game. Pause the game right now. Can we talk about Boston being down one game and being down 8-1 to one right now? I love that. But, anyway, game Yanks. Aaron fucking picks, baby! Let's go!
I am without speech. Hey, Ben Stryver, this is Eric from Syracuse. What a brutal fucking game that was. You saw eight runs would be enough, and apparently the offense did too, because they just went to sleep after the sixth inning, but it should have been enough, but uh, you got to take into account the Girardi factor. Let's see, let's just run down the moron checklist here. After CC is dealing, he takes him out too early. Then, he doesn't challenge the uh, pretty obvious not-hit-batsman call, and I don't know what the fuck the miscommunication they're talking about was, just, just challenge the damn thing, you have nothing to lose. And then, in the eighth inning, you bring out Robertson, throws like a hundred, who's throwing like a hundred pitches in the last three days, instead of a more wrestling Picasso, who, I guess, didn't pitch good enough last night to take to meet your expectations, you motherfucker. And then, let's see what else. Uh, I think that's all I can help with now. But Joe overmanaged once, uh, uh, once to a loss once again. Fuck you, Joe. If Cashman doesn't fire him in the offseason, I don't know what to say. See ya. Joe, 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 Joe. Uh... Yeah, first of all, a couple of things here. Let's just get past Girardi not challenging that ball is off the bat. It's an 8-7 game. Act like you're still fucking in the game, dude. I mean, the player's looking up to you for leadership, and you're walking around like you already fucking lost. Every time the camera went on Girardi, looks like you fucking lost the game. And Todd Frazier. I'm a Todd Frazier fan. But you don't get to fucking throw a Gatorade cup. You haven't earned the right to throw a fucking Gatorade cup. Yeah, Duran's fucked up. What are you about, like 200? You've been on the team for two months? Act like a professional. Joe fucking Girardi, you are a fucking clown. You cost us the division this year. All this fucking bullshit about you being a great bullpen management. No, you just got a great fucking bullpen. You suck. I hope they don't resign you. If George was here, you would have fucking been here years ago. Fuck you, Girardi. Um, so I've been puking since, uh, after I didn't, you know challenge that call uh, before the Grand Slam. Uh, uh, my wife is crying tonight because the uh, Yankees lost. Uh, I'm not a huge Yankees fan myself, but uh, strongly believe that uh, Jordan needs to be fired because it's uh, affecting my marriage here. So. Holy fuck! Wasn't really able to watch it in the game, sat my own game myself. Get an update from my buddy's dad. It's 8-3, and the fucking bullpen blows it, okay? Offense can't fucking bailing us out every goddamn time. We need lockdown innings, for God's sake. Oh my God! We need to fucking pick this stuff, alright? We need to get something going on Sunday. Peace. Girardi, you better dust your resume off, because after that pathetic, lethargic excuse for a managing job, you are done. You were on the case before, and now you just put the final nail in the coffin, you piece of shit. Get the fuck out of New York. I'm so fucking mad right now, I can't even be loud or anything. Uh, yeah. What type of lame-ass fucking excuse was that when uh, Joe Girardi said he didn't want to break his pitches rhythm. You fucking broke CC Sabathia's fucking rhythm and he was pitching a somewhat of a gem in Cleveland. You fucking idiot. If Hal has any fucking sanity or any type of judgment left in his fucking brain, he'll shred any fucking extension papers he has for Joe Girardi and start looking for a new manager today. Tonight, like he should be calling people tonight. The shit show, Joe. The Joe shit show. Whatever fucking show you wanna fucking call this Joe Girardi fucking circus clown. This shit's over. Fuck no. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.